Hello and welcome to On the Farm Pitcher List podcast about all things prospect, dynasty, and minor league related. I'm your host, Lamar Gibson. And I'm your host, Jake Mache. And uh, this uh, next few episodes that you'll be hearing is kind of a end of year project that uh, Jake and I put together. What you'll be hearing are um, interviews or responses from um, just about all of our previous guests from this past season. So names like Lucas Berry, uh, Pitcherless own Matt Heckman, uh, Nick Richards, of course, uh, Bailey, Srebnik, and Eric uh, from Florida uh, Podcast Report, um, just to name a few. So if you've been following with us, you'll hear all those previous guests um, with some responses, just talking about end-of-the-year prospect-related um, questions that we've uh, pitched to them. Um, before we get into that, though, real quick, uh, sort of this week in baseball, ending our season, we did see call-up with um, Pete Crow Armstrong getting called up uh, for the Cubs. Uh, so we're excited to see if he gets more playing time than uh, Alex Canario did. Um, I, I, from a redraft league standpoint um he, he's definitely not a league winner but maybe if you need to try to cram some steals maybe uh he might be able to go on a real quick outburst maybe for you um to, to steal a category uh no pun intended for you as you're entering in your playoffs um any thoughts on pca before we talk about playoffs yeah i mean like I I'm very hopeful that he plays more than than Carnario does. If anything, I think I think the biggest part of them calling him up was his like center field defense, and of course they were going to Colorado where that's like super important. Um, and I think that like you know Bellinger is really is you know solid out there and like it's not a huge need for them. But I think if you're in a playoff race, defense is probably emphasized a little bit more than than usual. And so I think that there's a really good path to like him creating. Um, him making himself valuable to to the team to play as much as possible because he's just so good in, on defense and in center field or um, or probably whatever they put him in the outfield and so um, yeah I think there's a good shot. There's been a, I've seen a lot kind of made on on Twitter that his like batted ball quality isn't fantastic. You know that that we've seen in in the upper levels of the minors. Um, oddly enough, his best. I guess um, his best metric has been his barrel rate, which is the only thing really as far as quality of contact, that's like above average. Um, But I think for me, like if he can provide anything close to like what Harrison Bader does to start, I think that's a solid place to start. And I think that's kind of how I see him right now. Um, And and probably this current version of Harrison Bader, not really peak Harrison Bader, Um, just, you know, great center fielder. We'll steal you some bags, like make a decent amount of contact. Um, He does chase a little bit, but, you know, I think he's going to be solid to start. And then I think that there's a good chance that he grows into some more power, like optimizes his swing, works with the major league hitting coaches. You know, like I'm absolutely willing to to see to see how that goes. But I mean, the kid is crazy athletic and uh, I think he's just his glove itself earns him the time to um, to to play consistently, hopefully, and and just kind of work through some stuff and find out who he is as a MLB hitter, you know? Yeah. Um, speaking of playoffs, uh, I'm sure everybody's uh, league playoffs are, are most likely in full swing uh, by the time you're hearing this, especially. And um, thinking about MLB playoffs as they, you know, are, are bearing down on us as we finish out the month of September and look to that wonderful month of October baseball. I want to remind or inform that if you are a PL Plus or PL Pro member, you do have access to our Pitcherless Discord. Um, and within that Discord, obviously, you have a, a bunch of 
great discourse that is happening and will continue to happen throughout the MLB playoffs. But you also have um, the watch parties that are hosted by Nick um, on playback.tv. That's been very fun. I haven't gotten a chance to attend one yet just from a timing and technology standpoint on my end, but I've heard, you know, uh, nothing but great um, feedback as far as the platform uh, itself and the ability to have that sort of um, watch party, live watch um, feel. So if you are a PL Plus or PL Pro member, don't forget that you do have that access. If you are not a PL Plus or PL Pro member, um, it's a great opportunity, great chance um, to join up now. And with that being said, um, we also have football coming. I'm not a football guy. I don't really watch football anymore. Um, but I do know that the Discord um, also has a ton of great uh, football-related content, discussion, uh, QB list content is available. There's Sunday morning live chats that are available. Um, so, again, there's a lot of value. Uh, to becoming a PL Plus or PL Pro member if you are not uh, already. Yeah, absolutely. Just to kind of, you know, second what you were saying, I know that you don't play much football, but I've started looking at it. Uh, more recently, you know, did a few drafts this year and actually got in a pitcher list, a pitcher list, QB list, staff league, and, you know, on uh, for fantasy football. And, um, you know, the guys over there are awesome. You know, it's great hearing from them in the um, in the Discord as well, if you ever, like, you know, obviously this is, you know, a baseball podcast and um, we all like to focus on baseball, but football is, is fun too. I think I take it more casually and, um, you know, play mostly with friends and, and family and whatnot, but it's still, I still like to beat them. And so it is nice to kind of have that resource as well within the, within the discord to, to ask the Cubulus writers what they think about, you know, about players, especially now with kind of the week one waiver wire happening. And um, so, yeah, definitely take advantage of it, guys, if you are, if you are in the discord already and, um, and if you're not, definitely, you know, check it out, see what we have to offer, because, you know, we're all in there. All of the writers are, are there and available all the time. And um, there are some great conversations that that happen. And um, and those live streams are are so much fun. You know, Nick has been doing so much of that, uh, you know, live stream content for a while now. And this is just kind of the next step in that and and being able to watch games live with him and just kind of like pick his brain and and hear how how he watches baseball i think it makes you a better a better scout you know when you're watching the minor leagues if you can kind of have that um you know context that nick can provide about like how these pitchers are attacking hitters and and what to look for you know when you're doing your own scouting it's it's invaluable so um yeah absolutely check, check it out and uh don't uh don't stop just because the baseball season's over you know there's always the draft season's gonna start up soon and football season's gonna bridge that so there's always something happening Absolutely. So after this, you'll be hearing from uh, the first of our end of year writer guest wrap up. This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games and you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick to two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's UnderdogFantasy.com or Underdog Fantasy in the App Store. Sign up with promo code PITCHERLIST and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. 
Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. In Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. Alrighty, so we are here with our first guest of the of the project that we're that Lamar and I are kind of putting together for everyone to, to end the dynasty season to reflect on on all the things that we've learned and um you know really just kind of experienced over the season guys who have surprised us and um just you know just kind of take stock into into everything that we've kind of kind of done so far up until this point and um you know what what better people to bring on to do it than than all the guests that that you guys have already heard from this year so um so this is the the first one that we're we're doing, and um, today we have uh, Matt Heckman. Um, he is the uh, dynasty manager at Pitcher List. Um, so he's really the the one that's kind of orchestrating everything, all the content that the dynasty team puts out, and um, and he's you know doing a fantastic job at that. He's also a senior writer at Fantrax, and um, also a great Twitter follow. You know, posts a ton of content. Uh, consistently, you know, just writes a ton of articles and uh, really just a great resource. So obviously lucky to have him at Pitcher List and, and really thankful that that you're on this this podcast with us uh, for the second time this year. So um, so thank you, Matt, for for taking the time. And uh, yeah, how, how's it going? How are you doing today? It's going well. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be on talk some baseball. I know the season's winding down, but it almost feels like for us at the Dynasty team, it's like a little lull maybe, and then it's right back at it again. So excited to start planning out some of that content that we're going to be producing kind of the entire off season really. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You do, you, you know, get uh, maybe some break in the, in the playoffs and actually just, it's, it's always nice in the playoffs to just kind of sit and yeah. watch baseball. It just yeah. for the competition, you know? Uh, yeah. Just like decompress a little bit too. Yes. Like my mind's not racing about the hundreds of prospects that are playing that I'm keeping up with. It's just, I'm here right. to watch baseball and be good. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, always good to do that. We're, we're almost, almost to that point now. And, um, and yeah, so it's just, uh, it's just kind of a nice, nice time to, to reflect and, and, uh, rebound a little bit. And then, like you said, we're going to be back at it, you know, um, in the winter and then talking about, you know, FYPDs and, and guys who kind of rose up through the season that maybe went undetected, you know, some guys with some sneaky good years and, um, and everything. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we'll be, we'll be consistently putting out content for you guys and, um, we'll definitely be, uh, you know, checking in and, and probably doing a couple of these pods even throughout as well. But, um, but just to kind of like start with, with how your dynasty season has gone, like, yeah, tell me kind of like overall what, how your teams have done this year, you know, like how the season's gone for you in general, um, just to kind of start, start before we start asking some specific questions. Yeah. Um, overall pretty good. Uh, one dynasty team made the playoffs still in it, still playing well, really led by some younger guys. They're a good, solid core. Adolis Garcia was really good for me, too. I got him a couple years ago until he kind of he's hurt right now. So that didn't feel too great. But we're trying to piece it together and stick through it. My one new league that's in the championship right now. So we'll see how that goes. That's kind of that's always weird with prospects because I'm in the championship and there are some prospects that I like, but also it's kind of an all-in kind of thing. And so I cut the leash a little bit shorter than in a typical dynasty league to kind of give that final push. A um, couple other, a keeper league I'm in, got a first round buy. So overall, it's been a, it's been a good year. 
they don't always go as they don't always map out quite as you project in the beginning of the season. Even I feel like for us who produce content, it's not always a success. But um, this year has been one of the better ones to speak of. So hopefully the playoffs keep going right. Hopefully my guys stop getting injured. That would help Felix Bautista in the one. I that keeper league I traded for Mike Trout, Shohei Otani. Like they were pretty much unkeepable to go in. And then, of course, Trout got injured like two days later. Otani then went down. So a little banged up right now. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's brutal. Um, Yeah, I mean, good good to hear that everything is, you know, going going well overall. And, um, you know, it's cool that I I think the, you know, it's always nice having like a little playoff format at the end too to kind of, you know, keep keep you in and um and i mean i love i love roto but there's just something about uh the kind of weekly playoff format that's just that's cool and it's also i mean like as football starting up too you're also doing that kind of same thing um in football and so i think for me it's just kind of a nice way to honestly transition between the two and um and yeah those those head-to-head ones are always fun because you just you don't know what's happening it's chaos yeah (laughs) i i love the head-to-head like you're right roto is good but at a certain point like especially if you fall out of it or if you're in like Maybe if you're in, if you're in a fit fourteen team league and you're in like sixth, you're like, right. okay, there's well, nothing. Well, I'm never gonna make it, and yep. so why am I still trying? But if you're in six and a head to head, you can get into the playoffs, and then anything can happen. I think it's a little more right. interactive. So that's my personal preference. Right. Anyway. And in uh, in one of my dynasty leagues, we do the for everyone who doesn't make the playoffs, it's a bracket for the first overall pick. That's and that's fun. And that's, and that's awesome because like, even if you kind of like checked out for a minute there and you're like, okay, like I'm prioritizing other teams, setting other lineups first and things like that, you can kind of come back to it and be like, all right, let me optimize for these last like couple weeks and see if I can kind of get as high as possible in the, in the FYPD order too. So, I mean, that's just, that's also a fun little wrinkle that you could have, you know? Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just kind of, you know, getting into some more, uh, specific content about, about how the year has gone for you. Um, I think first off, just kind of focusing on, on, on individual prospects. Um, is there someone who's been, you know, the most surprising prospect to you this year, you know, that you didn't expect uh, coming in? Yeah. So I feel like somebody that's really been flying up my ranks, especially recently has been Dylan Beavers, the outfielder for Baltimore. I don't feel like, I mean, he's only hit 10 home runs this year. So the power has almost been a little bit disappointing compared to where he was projected but the hit tool has been so surprising i mean he had 273 in high a got the promotion to double a he's hitting 320 there right now obviously his babip is not going to stay as high as it is but the swing path looks really really consistent he's hitting a ton of line drives really spraying it to all fields which is part of the reason i think his home run total might be a little bit lower but he's looking like a doubles machine in there for Baltimore, which almost plays better in their ballpark now after, I mean, after they moved the wall out and they went through all that, he hits left-handed, but still, I feel like that hit tool has just been so surprising for me. He's kept the strikeout at a reasonable number that he really has flown up my ranks and impressed me this season. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. That's a good call out. I mean, I feel like he's someone that I think as the year has gone on, you've kind of like seen and heard just a little bit, a little bit more about yeah, as well, more, you know, yeah. just kind of like a slow, slow kind of 
um, increase. And then, um, I mean, even just, just looking at, I think just looking at some of his WRC plus numbers, it's like uh, shocking. Like not, you, like you kind of, you don't, you can't pay attention to all the guys. And so you go back and look at something like, yeah. Oh wow, he's been doing great recently. You know, like, um, after the promotion at double a, he's, he's been awesome. He has a 148 WRC plus and 144 PAs. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good call out. I think in the Orioles, like, you, you got to give like a little mini bonus point yeah. for that, right? Like he's going to be in a great right. offense, great like an upcoming team, you know. That's just yeah. going to be good for a while, hopefully. And yeah, that like that home run total isn't there yet, but he's six four, two hundred and six pounds. Like yeah. he, he's a big dude, and he runs too. He's got twenty five stolen bases, so you have to figure that power is going to come. He's not a ten home run guy at the end of it. It's only his first full season in professional baseball. So, I mean, give him some time to develop. I think you have a 25-plus homer bat if it all clicks. So power, speed, that hit tool looks good. I'm really rising on Dylan Beavers. Yeah, yeah, awesome, awesome. Um, And then on the flip side of that, um, you know, has there been a prospect that's been the most disappointing to you? Yeah, so somebody I really hyped up a lot of the offseason. I hyped him up last year um pitcher wilmer flores for the detroit tigers i was really in on flores i thought there was a lot to like there he was throwing strikes he was generating high strikeout numbers i like detroit detroit sometimes flies a little bit under the radar with their pitching development not everybody's click but they have some solid guys he was working with tread he was developing a change up to really give him a third another pitch to go get lefties with and it just it hasn't worked out this year he started at double a the strikeout rate plummeted his control was a little wonky to start and then as the strikeout rate went back up the walks increased and then recently he got sent back to high a so they kind of pulled the plug on him then part of that might just be development maybe he's still working on that change up but for somebody i thought that was gonna have a breakout season flores has been really disappointing for me and my dynasty teams to have him yeah he was definitely one of the guys in you know kind of towards the end of last year in the in the off season that um that i was definitely expecting to take a step forward this year and you know i remember i we actually talked about him on this podcast maybe like in uh, six weeks ago or so um and because I was looking at his his box scores and he had like two horrible starts uh, at the beginning of the year. And then he had a string of starts. Yeah, it's like six or seven starts where he was he doing was really good. well. He was and good. I was like, oh, OK, yeah. like, yeah, like there it is. Great. Um, And then he just kind of like had a couple really rough ones before he, you know, went back to um, high A and. Um, and I don't know, I actually didn't catch if there was an injury or if he was on the like maybe the developmental list or something, but he missed about a month of games and. And then, you know, he was at, at high after that. And so, yeah. like, it's just like he's, it's you can see and I watched him a few times and I'm like, oh, I can kind of see where it still was. But I think at the same time, like, you know, I don't know if it's just a case of like it takes some guys longer to go through and maybe it's for pitchers. Yeah. It's just, you know, some guys you don't see until 25, 26. And that is it is what it is. But you just have to adjust expectations. Even it, right. it's so easy to look back and be like, but he was so good for a stretch, you know, but at the end of the day, it's like, yeah. what does he do? What has he been doing lately? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think he was hurt. I think that's why he's in high A or was in high A. High A season is finished now, but that's he, there was relief risk on him. Scouts, a lot of scouts when he came out and he joined, there was relief risk. Now he was hurt. He wasn't putting it all together. 
that just that creeps back into my mind. It's like, okay, I thought this guy was really going to put it all together and break out and kind of break that right. expectation. And right. instead, he's almost fitting back into that mold, which scares me more from a long term projection. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's definitely definitely not as fun to talk about the guys that you loved. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and right. then it, hurt, are, it stings know. a little. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, it does. Um, and then you know those you know a couple individual guys, and then from more of like the team and organization level, um, you know, a little bit larger scale. Is there? Um, you know, do you think that there's like one MLB team, you know, organization that has the best minor league system right now? This was hard. Preparing for this question was hard because there are really two that I think stick out in my head. The first is Baltimore. I mean, Baltimore's system is loaded. Even after their promotions, they are still loaded. I think they have seven pros. They have six prospects in the minor leagues right now that are still in my top 100 list, Holiday, Jerstad, Mayo, Kowser, Norby, Povich, and Beavers. Um, they have Joe Ortiz who's hanging around there. Samuel Basalo is flying up ranking boards as he's been incredible at catcher. So that system is still really deep. But then Seattle had a crazy good draft. I loved Seattle's draft with Cole Emerson and Ty Petey and Aiden Smith. And then they have those top guys. I'm a big Cole Young fan. And so they have him at the top of their system, Harry Ford, Class A, Locklear, Gabriel Gonzalez. So I think after the 2023 draft, I'm going to give it to Seattle instead of Baltimore. But it is so cool. You can't get wrong with either system. Yeah, and I think I think Seattle's really interesting. Lamar was also just talking about them, I think, in the, the last episode or maybe the one before, but how they've really emerged. That, like you said, that drafted so much because like, I feel like what we're currently watching was supposed to be that like next wave of Mariners talent. It was like Julio and, and Kelnick, and, um, and it was like they were, they were a hyped system a couple of years ago, and they've been able to kind of like retool the system without mm-hmm. really kind of giving up anything on the, on the major league level where all of a sudden they still have that kind of young core of guys and they're about to add to it with like even more young talent. I mean, that's just like a masterclass in organization building really, you know, it's, it's been awesome to see. I think, I think what impresses me the most with Seattle is like Baltimore, they have Povich, but they have a lot of hitters and that's really what they've been good at developing. They have Grayson, but they don't have that influx of pitching. Seattle, we've already seen that pitching come up. Kirby, Logan Gilbert, Bryce Miller. And now they still have all these hitters that are in the minor leagues. I mean, you already have Julio, like you mentioned. Like You already have some good young hitters, but now they're coming with the hitters. It's like they're supplementing the pitching they already developed with the hitters they are developing. And I feel like they've just hit on a lot of guys recently. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, and then just the, their pitching development has been awesome too, to see how they've just been like, you know what, we're not going to mess with triple a and the, and the PCL, we're going to get guys ready at double a, and then we're going to put them in the big leagues and watch them go. Um, I mean, that's just been so much fun to watch Bryce Miller and, um, and Brian Wu, you know, just kind of take the, take the, uh, the ball there in the majors, you know? And, um, so yeah, they're awesome, awesome system. Um, and then, and then in, in general, is there an organization that has, um, maybe isn't all the way there yet, but has just impressed you um, or even surprised you in in making player development strides um, over the last like year or so. 
Yeah, one that kind of flies under the radar a little bit because there's such big expectations at the major league level, but Boston, I feel like they've had a really solid player development year in the minor leagues. I mean, they have the guys like Marcello Meyer. They have Nick York. Like, we know about them. They were kind of drafted high, but these other guys, Blaze Jordan, Roman Anthony. I really like Wickelman Gonzalez. Um, Kyle Teal they just picked up. I know Chris Clegg does a lot of video down there for their minor league affiliate and he loves Kyle Teal. They've got some pitching and Bastardo, Jordani Monegro. So they have some guys that are coming through that system. I didn't really before this season I did not think of Boston as any team that was really good at developing talent. They've hit on some stars like Devers, but they haven't really developed that homegrown draft talent. And I feel like we're starting to see it now. Yeah, right. Like with Devers, I mean, like you just have to put him in games and wait for the magic to happen, right? You know, like yeah. the dude's awesome. Um, and like you said, like I I feel like Boston has always just kind of been a team who's like, you know, pretty consistently good, but it's a lot of like free agent signings and trades and just kind of like ma- maintaining consistent, um, you know, spending and, and going, going and creating um, competitive teams at the major league level for the most part. Um and then now I think that they're like supplementing that with with the more minor league development and and like you mentioned Chris Clegg he's he's I think you said a few times that like you know the Red Sox are that's kind of up and coming organization and he's gotten a lot of flack I think for that as well and and he's like y'all can say whatever you want but like it call me a homer or whatever you know but like they're it's it's actually coming it's a, it's a good you know organization that's that's seeing a lot of growth and um, yeah I think that's just it's fun when when you get a team that kind of like hops on the the train you know who's just yeah um, like we've seen the yankees even the yankees for the longest time it was like oh they're just they're gonna go out and spend they're gonna get mark to or whatever you know um and now they're like they're pitching specifically you know they're they have they've adopted like a single philosophy they're having everyone throw the sweepers and they're um doing that and then it's it, it just seems like it's we're getting some more complete organizations you know it's not just kind of like yeah. spend the money at the top and and do that it's you know there's a lot i think more attention and when you can see a team that's starting to put it together it's it's exciting for sure yeah i feel like every other week chris clegg's mentioning somebody new down there to keep an eye yep. on i'm like oh he his stats do look really good i've never heard of him before why have i never heard of him before right. and it's like if they're doing this consistently over a full season it's time that we start paying attention i guess once it happens it's consistent now these guys haven't shown anything at the major league level yet there's still a long way to go but the more guys that keep flying up prospect boards the more i think we need to start giving some credit yeah yeah absolutely um so yes what we're gonna do we're gonna take a quick ad break uh pay the bills here and then uh after that we're gonna come back and we're gonna have a couple more a couple more questions things to talk through with matt and then we'll uh, be on to our next guest fads come and go and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss that's why noom has created weight management programs that are made to last noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 
98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, and we are back here with Matt Heckman still. Got a few more questions to talk about, things to discuss about how the season has gone. And um, we'll start off with a heavy hitter here. Who do you think is the number one overall prospect in the minor leagues as of right now? Yeah, so one week ago or two weeks ago, I would have said Jordan Lawler. That's no longer an option. So fair. I I am going to go with Jackson, drumroll, because there's yeah. really two at the top. The Jays are popular. I'm going to go with Jackson Chorio here. Okay, and okay, ex- not Holiday. No, I, that's okay. not a super popular opinion, and so I'll explain why. It's a little bit why I had Lawler above Holiday. Holiday's really good. That's no disrespect. I have Holiday at number two in my rankings now in the minor leagues. He's phenomenal. It's the swing path scares me. And I did some research in a going deep article that I put out on pitcher list earlier hitters that run high ground ball rates are generational towns that break the expectation in Juan Soto, Ronald Acuna Jr. There are players that do it, but players that run high ground ball rates statistically post significantly lower WRC pluses once they reach the major leagues. Um, Holiday doesn't have the same swing and miss problems as Ellie De La Cruz, but Ellie De La Cruz is struggling with some of those issues right now. We're already seeing his batting average struggle. The BABIPs don't play the same at the major league level as they do in the minor leagues. And something that Holiday struggles with are those ground balls, where Chorio has had some higher ground balls, but they haven't been as high as Holiday. I think there's a little more game power in Chorio's bat too, and a little more raw speed. I just think the upside is higher. If you're looking for a safer floor, I guess give me Holiday, but I worry about how that game power really is going to translate at the major league level, and he doesn't have quite the elite speed that Chorio does to help balance that out from a fantasy perspective. So it's close. You can't go wrong with either player. But that's why I go with Chorio over Holiday. Yeah, uh, I mean, I could, I could see that, and I mean, Holiday is actually. I was looking at it recently, and I was surprised to see that he kind of has really slowed down his stolen base attempts as the season's gone on. I mean, part of it is because he's, I mean, probably because he's just seen some aggressive promotions as well, and yeah. I'm sure that the the base stealing defense is a lot better in Double A AA and Triple A. But in High A, he had 17 steals. And um, in double A AA and triple A combined, he's had three in, you know, almost as many plate appearances, not quite as much, but he's really kind of slowed down as, as the year has gone on. And I mean, like young players will kind of just run more in general and I'm sure he'll get his bags. But like you said, there's just kind of like that extra, there's just that extra, just raw speed, the raw skill there that, you know, I think holiday doesn't quite have. Um, so that's, I mean, that's a huge impact for fantasy teams for sure. Yeah, I mean, even the power, Holiday's hit 10 home runs. Now he's 19 years old and he's right. already in triple A. Right. <laughs> so uh, you can't judge him too harshly on that, but he only has 10 home runs. The home run per fly balls have been good. They've dropped a little bit as he's been promoted, but they've been good. But you're already seeing because he doesn't get the ball in the air as much. And that's a huge deal for fantasy. I think Holiday will be the better real life player, maybe. But I'm sure. from a fantasy baseball perspective, 
Chorio has that upside. His strikeout rate has been decreasing. I mean, since August 2nd, Chorio is only striking out 17.5%. I know that the Brewers didn't send him to AAA like Holiday, but he's only 19 too. It feels like Holiday's newer than Chorio, so we think that he's younger when they're really both 19 years old. So they both are at the same development stage in their career. So I don't know. I think there's more upside with Chorio. I That ground ball rate is something I look at pretty heavily to a fault sometimes because if you, that's all you look at, you could miss Juan Soto. Like if you believe that there's a generational talent, that shouldn't like, – like I, I have Holiday at two. If I didn't think he was a generational talent, I wouldn't have him up there. But it's – almost a tiebreaker in a sense for me that right yeah 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 no absolutely that makes sense i think when you get kind of when you get inside that top you know top five or so there's just going to be the smallest things that separate these guys and everyone's going to have maybe a slightly different order and it just kind of comes down to personal preference and you know the it it really isn't a bad thing to invest in any of them you know like if you had corbin carroll or gunner henderson you're looking regardless you're looking pretty good now you You can't go gunner's been awesome Yeah, yeah, exactly. You not go wrong. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. Um, and then, so, you know, moving on here, we'll do uh, a bit of a, a very early prediction. So obviously, you know, no pressure if this turns out to be a horrible gasp <laughs> because we are looking far into the future on this one. Um, so what we're going to ask is that you give your, your, your best guess on who the 2024 American League and National League Rookie of the Year will be. Yeah, this is this is so hard. Um, <laughs> I'll stick with Jordan Lawler just because I had him ranked number one overall in my prospect rankings. He's sure. up. I assume he's going to start. He hasn't gotten off to the best start in his first four games, but it's four games. I don't think we're going to judge him off of that. I think that talent is otherworldly. He has been incredible since about the second half of the season when he was experiencing some really bad Babbitt luck, and he was striking out a, bu- a bunch early on. He really adjusted later on. He's got that blazing speed, his home run per fly ball rates, which is another thing I really look at for these minor league hitters. Those are high. Um, I think he's talented. I think it's going to be a talented lineup. I think the Diamondbacks are going to keep improving. We see it already this season. So that's who I will go with for my National League rookie there. All right. Sounds good. I mean, can't fault you there. Uh, you're a consistent guy uh, going with Lawler again. You know, I mean, you love to see it. You know, you, you plant your flag on someone. And you just got to you got to roll with it. Absolutely. For sure. Um, all right. So then American League, who you got? So I entering the show, I didn't expect to say this person, but then I started thinking about it a little more as we've been okay. talking. The wheels have been going. Give me Junior Caminero from Tampa Bay. I it. I mean, he has been otherworldly. He's a he's a player who he has that same ground ball issue, which is why I've been a little bit slower to kind of rise on him. But we're seeing that raw power turn into game power at an insane rate recently. I mean, he's up to 30 home runs now on the season, and it feels like at least 20 of them have been in the last month. Every time I feel like I go on the Twitter, I see another junior Caminero home run. Um, yeah, 14 since the start of August. So those home runs are coming in bunches now. He's always had incredible raw tools. Um, there's obviously the unknown of the Wander Franco situation in Tampa, which could open up playing time, could not in that infield. I don't think Tampa views Caminero as a shortstop 
long-term. I think he fits more at third base, but his skills are just incredible. And from a major league perspective on a team that should be really good again, feels like Tampa is always really good. That gives that kind of player an extra little boost in the rookie of the year voting. So that's where I'll go for the AL rookie of the year. All right. Yeah. I mean, another one you really, you know, really can't go wrong. I mean, it's been, it seemed like, I think at the beginning of the year, started to hear more about Camarero, started to see some of the the power in, in some video highlights on Twitter and whatnot. And, and it's like, there's always like random hype trains for guys. And you see, usually yeah. they kind of fizzle out. There's a lot of ups and downs and like, we really have just seen a pretty consistent upward trajectory for Caminero. He's just gotten better as the year has gone on. And like you said, recently he's been, it seems like he's hitting one out just about every day. And, you know, it's, I, I think we see him early next year. And like you said, there's probably going to be some spots on the roster. And I mean, this just like, it's the sky's the limit for him. It's going to be so much fun. No, for sure. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. Every you get sometimes you get things right and sometimes you get things wrong. Kamenaro was one of my bus picks actually on <laughs> Petrolis entering the season. It felt like the hype was strong and like he had that ground ball issue. Right. That was something that really scared me off. And, yeah. and when there's know. so much hype around someone, if it, it's natural to be like, all right, like what what, are, what can we actually expect? Right. Pump the brakes exactly. Um, and you you actually have to do that um, for for a lot of guys because you miss just, sometimes. It gets wild. Yeah. <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah, and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, he seems he seems pretty legit now. You know, it's yeah, um, right. it's been awesome. So, um, all right. So there's your your AL and, and NL rookie of the year projections. Uh, love to hear hear that and start thinking about it. Um, never too early. It's never too early to start thinking about about what's happening next season. Um, but one one more question we have for you before we go on to the next guest on the podcast. Um, so overall. What is, you know, one thing that you have learned this year uh, regarding your prospect evaluation process? Yeah, um, one thing has really been on the pitching side. I feel like a lot of times it's easier to evaluate hitters just because the stats are more obvious. And so sometimes these pitchers can post really good numbers in the lower levels of the minor leagues against weaker competition. They can get by with off-speed stuff more they can fool hitters it's easier at the lower levels but if you lack a true out pitch and even a lot of times if you lack velocity on that fastball or extension one of the two it's going to catch up to you and so I feel like for pitching it takes a lot more than just diving into the numbers it really you have to look at what does their stuff look like what are is it just bad control on one pitch are they missing control on a lot of pitches? Is the velocity not there? So it's a lot of that kind of thing. And you start to see it pop up as they progress through the upper levels of the minor leagues by identifying guys that have one to two really, really good pitches and then a decent secondary arsenal that the team can develop. That I feel like has been a big key of mine through development of this year. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, hitters, like you are saying, it's it's just it's a whole different process and honestly i think hitters are more consistent i feel like you know the skills a little earlier and you know hitters can kind of improve their you know their ground ball rates maybe their launch angle things like that maybe play a little bit play a bit discipline but like overall they're relatively consistent 
at yeah. pitchers, I mean, so much can change so quickly. You know, one little tweak can like make a huge difference. And, you know, even between levels, it's really hard to predict, you know, how, how each promotion is going to go because there's so many different run environments in minor yeah. league baseball, you know, like if you just look at box scores, like it's, it's a lot easier to do that with hitters with pitchers. I mean, there's just so much that goes into what you see in that. That's just so hard to, to get your head around until, unless you're, you know, you're really watching them. And, and honestly, another thing too, is that with, with pitchers, it's, I think it's easier to see some of the raw skills, um, like you can see how a pitch moves when you're watching the game. You can see like, oh my God, that was like a, a wipeout slider. Or you can see kind of like his, his approach and kind of how he's attacking hitters. And, and on the hitter side, like, I think it's hard to tell like how hard a ball is hit when you're just like yeah. watching a game, you know, you're like, oh, that was crushed. I think, you know, but like, was maybe right. 93, 95 and like 105. It's really hard to tell just how good they're actually getting the bat on the ball when you're in the lower levels of the minors, when you really don't have a lot of public data about what's what's happening, you know? Yeah. Live looks feel so much more important for pitchers than hitters. Just really understanding how they operate. If they have that, that edge to be a starting pitcher, that mentality to be a pitcher, like, okay, I walk, what's happened in the minor. I walk that guy on four pitches. How do they bounce back through the inning spiral? Just live looks at pitchers make such a difference compared right. to hitters. Yeah. Is there a, is there someone that you've that you've watched recently that you've thought like, oh my gosh, like this is this is a lot of fun, you know, watching this guy pitch? I mean, Wilkelman Gonzalez, Boston. Okay. I yeah. every, I can't take my eyes off of him. Every chance like I can watch him pitch, he has he struggles with control and that creates relief risk. But that upside is so high. I mean, one of the comparisons I was drawing early in the year is okay, you have Kyle Harrison who has all these walk issues and he's ranked in the top 20 and Gonzalez is ranked down here in the 200 range. Gonzalez is striking out just as many batters as Harrison is. I mean, he is electric on the mound and Chris Clegg, I know, has gotten some live looks at him and his stuff isn't tapering off as much either. So that's another thing. His stuff is being consistent longer into outings. He's throwing a lot of five innings, six innings, pitch kind of outings, which is another thing to look for with. There's so much that goes into evaluating pitchers, but he is just, he's somebody that I think that stuff is just so good that if he can ever fully put it all together, it's going to be incredible to watch. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, sweet. Well, I mean, that's, that's all the questions we got for you. You know, again, I appreciate you kind of coming back and at the end of the year and kind of, you know, talking about how the season's gone and, and things you've learned and, and just kind of taking a minute to look back and, uh, and yeah, so I appreciate it. And, uh, is there anything that you're kind of like anything else that you're doing right now? Anything else you'd like to promote any articles coming up, things that you, that you might be doing even in the off season or anything like that? Um, well, I already talked about how we're going to keep busting out content over here for the Dynasty team at Pitcher List. We're going to do some Arizona Fall League works, like Jake mentioned earlier, some first-year player drafts, some breakdowns before we get into that. Um, got one more Dynasty performance report for middle infielders. That's set to come out on the 14th, so I think that's Thursday. Yeah, All right. tracking days. Um, that's coming out Thursday, so you can keep an eye out for that on Pitcher List. And yeah, keep up, keep following with us. We're going to keep putting out content for you guys. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, awesome. Thanks again, Matt. Thanks uh, for listeners for, for tuning in here. And if you stay tuned, we're going to take another ad break and then come back with our next guest. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. And that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization 
so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right. So first question here I got uh, was, who has been the most surprising prospect this season to you and why? Uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a cop-out here. I think it's a cop-out. Technically, he did not lose prospect eligibility going into 2023, but did spend uh, a decent amount of time in the majors last year at the end of the year. It's uh, um, I think who surprised me the most in 2023 uh, with Kerry Carpenter of the Detroit Tigers. Uh, and ultimately, this is just the guy that, for me personally, kind of came out of nowhere. I know he spent uh, 31 games in Detroit um, in 2022, uh, you know, but still, like I said, didn't didn't quite hit that, uh, that plateau, had uh, 103 at-bats, 113 plate appearances, so a couple of walks in there, of course. Um, slash line, nothing, you know, to write home about, you know, 252, uh, 310, 485 in that short stint. But it's just a name that as I'm doing my research, as I am, uh, listening to you guys and listening to, you know, uh, I'm reading other lists and reading other scouting reports and stuff like that. It's just not a name that really came up. Uh, so it's not somebody that was really on my radar, uh, beyond a late round flyer in my redraft leagues going into 2023. But he has been incredibly impressive for obvious reasons this year at the major league level, obviously not a prospect anymore. Uh, but, you know, he hit the 20 home run mark recently, uh, kind of went on a couple different tears throughout the course of the year, batting just shy of 300 um, in his first full season is, you know, not, not especially in Detroit, not not one of the ballparks uh, is known for uh, being a hitter-friendly environment. Uh, didn't really have a lot of red flags, though, either. In the minors, as you go back and look at what he did in AA, what he did in AAA, uh, a couple of years, you know, during 2021, 2022, obviously we don't have anything from 2020. But, uh, you know, I, I know he's 20, this is 25-year-old season as a rookie. You know, he almost should be doing something. Um, but... You know, I guess it was just, it shouldn't be this is a guy who shouldn't have been surprising if you really look back and see what kind of production he was putting up throughout the minors. Uh, just that he just wasn't somebody that was hyped up enough where um, I kind of expected this to happen. I hope that, that makes sense. All right. Who has been the most disappointing and why? Uh, I, I got to take a cop out here again. I think um, it's. It, I think it's most disappointing in the fact that we just never got to actually witness him do anything this year for the most part. And I'm talking about Ricky Teeterman of Toronto, uh, just somebody who all the hype in the world after, you know, what, you know, the production he was able to put forth in 2022, 
um, even with any kind of uh, injuries that set him back. Uh, still somebody I expected to be bidding a whole lot on this year in my redraft leagues as he would as he would have come up to Toronto, um, especially with the hiccups that the Blue Jays had with Ella Manoa throughout the course of the season. It could have been uh, a very bright spot that they needed um, in that rotation. Obviously, injuries have really derailed any kind of production we could have seen from him this year, kind of in the same vein as Andrew Painter could have been another um, obvious choice here. Uh, that might even be more disappointing just because of all so much hype that he put forth uh, through, you know, in spring training and then in, in, in early drafts as people were really trying to uh, capitalize on what looked like was going to be um, an opening day nod or at least an opening day roster spot in Philly. But uh, Ricky Tinderman just <laughs> as a, you know, as a lefty who can throw as hard as he can um, with the slider and with the other aspects of his uh, repertoire, um, <laughs> I almost think that he was kind of replaced by Cole Reagans in that way uh, about the same time, probably right around the, the trade deadline. Now, if Tiedermann was healthy, I, almost, I would have expected him to have been up earlier than that. Um, but obviously that didn't come to fruition. So uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Ricky Dieterman can do if he can, you know, stay fully healthy throughout the course of, you know, any period of time, to be honest, not just a, a full season, but just like, you know, a few months here or there. All right. Uh, what major league team has the best minor league system right now? Um, I think if I have to go strictly on... Now, I'm looking at this from a fantasy perspective. Um, the, the, uh, the, I think the organization that has the, t- the highest top end, quote, can't miss, or the closest to can't miss prospects um, in, in volume, in bulk. Right now, I'm looking at probably the Milwaukee Brewers uh, between Jackson Churio, who's got to be in most everybody's top 10, if not top five, um, Jacob Mizorowski, Sal Frelick, I think just they have a good, excellent mix of not only offensive talent, but also pitching talent as well, obviously with Robert Gasser um, in in the mix as well. Carlos Rodriguez uh, being in the conversation of, you know, probably not in the top high end, but he'll be somebody that can come up and make an actual, you know, make an actual difference. And, you know, we'll be keeping an eye on what he can do. Um, But on the offensive side, you know, South Relic, Somebody who obviously is interesting from a uh, kind of one-trick pony type of situation. I'm not, you know, I'm not expecting a whole lot of power from him, but he could be a really well-rounded uh, off- uh, offensive fantasy asset. Uh, you got, you know, Tyler Black and Brock Wilkin as well, uh, kind of rounding out the the possible, you know, top fifty uh, situation as far as prospects goes, and they still have that kind of collateral or that kind of level of intrigue that can make them assets in a trade, especially if you're in a win now situation. Um, so if you've got a lot of these guys, you can feel pretty good about the, the value that you can get back um, in a fantasy, fantasy related trade. Um, but, you know, this is a team that, you know, I'll be, I'll be keeping an eye on to seeing how they continue to handle the, these prospects and how they come up. And if it's going to be like a situation like Baltimore that we see who's, you know, 
whose system itself is still pretty, pretty deep, obviously. Um, we, uh, we're going to see how Milwaukee kind of brings these guys up, whether they bring them up together, if they, we kind of see them all come up um, all at once, kind of like what we saw in Cincinnati uh, this year, um, you know, little by little, but ultimately they're all pretty much playing <laughs> together at the same time, um, which I would be a big fan of. Um, in general, because you, you build that camaraderie, you have these guys are all coming up together throughout the minors, they're all succeeding together in the minors, and you want to see them succeed at the highest level. So I'd like to see if Milwaukee kind of takes that approach with this next uh, kind of class. And they're all, you know, pretty similar in age. A um, couple guys in the, you know, in the lower 20s, like the 22, 23 age and South Relic, who obviously has already made his debut, um, and Tyler Black. But then you've got, you know, uh, Jefferson Cuero, you know, is 20 years old, still, uh, still making his way up. Um, but, but in, in Jackson Churio, obviously as well, 19 years old, but these guys are all at double a at least. Um, so they're all can very easily kind of come up together throughout the course of 2024, maybe into 2025. Um, it's just kind of be nice to see them move it all together all at once. Uh, who is the number one overall prospect in the minors right now? I kind of touched on him a little bit earlier um, and talking about the Baltimore system, I didn't really say his name, but Jackson Church and Jackson holiday is my guy right now. And I'm just been incredibly impressed with how Baltimore has been so aggressive um, with him. And if you, when you see somebody at his age uh, being, you know, drafted uh, entering the organization just last year, and he's already hit triple a, um, and, you know, I jokingly said that, you know, the Norfolk uh, organization, the AAA team for Baltimore uh, could have really could really use him for their playoff pu- push. And I realized that Norfolk won their first half. <laughs> so they already clinched the spot in uh, their playoffs or in their in their championship round. Um, but if, uh, you know, they win again, they can use him in the playoffs. And, uh, of course, that's the most important thing, right, is the franchise's minor league track record as far as championships go. We saw that with uh, the Tampa Bay system for so long that pretty sure, like, there was one year where they won every single uh, level championship, maybe except for one. I don't know. It's pretty impressive. But Baltimore could do that and uh, utilize uh, Holiday in the way that he has uh, – you almost expected them to see to see him make a debut at the major league level at this rate. I mean, as I'm recording this, he's only had six games at AAA, so that's probably a little out of the question. Um, but this is the guy I don't expect. I, I mean, I expect him to get the Bobby Witt uh, Jr. treatment for Baltimore last year, where he's can just easily push down the uh, push down the doors in spring training and force his way into the opening day roster conversation, if not the actual roster itself. So, um, you know, he's just uh, been impressive at every level. Hasn't really hit any bumps. Of course, you like to almost like to see those bumps, right? At least a little bit before we kind of move on to the next level. Um, but if you go, you know, you know, 57 games at high A, 36 games at double A. And, you know, each time you ultimately get put up better numbers and better ratios and and, and show no signs of stopping. Um, you know, I can appreciate Baltimore kind of pushing him and pushing him and pushing him and then uh, kind of pushing him until he breaks. So, uh, yeah, Holiday's uh, the guy I'd be, I'd be paying most attention to. 
All right, and what is one thing that you learned this year regarding prospect evaluation? I'm not sure, <laughs> honestly. Uh, I think the, the thing that uh, um, I learned the most is that, you know, the highest end prospects, yeah, of course, there are some guys who come in and they struggle and ultimately they fail. There's no guarantee to any prospect. Um, but those guys that you had such a strong consensus of where they were going to be. Um, I'm going to give them when they make their debuts, I'm giving them a lot more uh, of a leash to get to where everybody thought they were going to be based on what, you know, maybe what I've seen, what I've read, you know, the, the voices that I am hearing, it's the outliers that um, I have, a, you know, a lot less of a, um, the, you know, the guys that you hear that are like, that's my guy, but you don't hear enough guys saying that, right? <laughs> enough people out there in the industry kind of really focusing on them. Um, but when you have somebody, you know, like Bobby Wood Jr., for example, you know, came out, of course he fought and got to the, got his opening day roster bid, um, but didn't, you know, got to a point where you're like, I'm not sure where he's at, where he's going to be. And then for him to, you know, take the next step, this this year in 2023 uh you realized hey you know what this is who everybody realized he was going to be um and so i think that i will be giving uh, a little bit more credence to the 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 term that nobody really likes you know the pedigree um not every prospect has the quote pedigree um but those who had consistent scouting reports from multiple sources, from multiple outlets. Uh, and then they don't, those results don't manifest themselves right away. You know, I'm going to give them a little bit more, um, a little bit more of a leash. CJ Abrams is, a, is the better example this year, to be honest. Um, he was kind of written off quite a bit, um, but this was a guy who was pushed really, really hard uh, by San Diego when he was in there in their system uh, and, you know, took some time to adjust in Washington and, you know, he's carrying most fantasy teams that he's on this year uh, in, in, in those, in those areas. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's the area that I'm going to be thinking about the most as I see these top end prospects struggle out of the gate, even if it's for like their first year um, and, you know, buying back in uh, early on, as they make those adjustments, um, maybe in season two, maybe in second half, you know, depending on the player and the organization, but yeah. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed uh, those conversations. Uh, Obviously there's more to come uh, from on the farm. So stay tuned, continue to be subscribed Uh, throughout the off season. uh, We might have one or two other little pop-up episodes uh, but uh, always want to remind listeners that you can find this podcast and all of our Pitcher List pods on the Pitcher List Network podcast page. They're all available in the podcast section of Pitcher List for you to find, listen, and subscribe. You can find me on Twitter at capital F. And you can find me on Twitter at Jake Mash, M-A-I-S-H. And you can continue to follow the podcast um, on Twitter as well uh, at PL on the farm. Uh, that's the account. I got it right this time.
with all that being said, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.